what do you do when God doesn't do what you ask? And so today we're gonna really be in one text in John chapter 11, and we're gonna really walk through this passage in John's gospel. So sometimes you pray and God does exactly what you ask. On December 26th, your finance team looked at the money that had come in in, in December and said, oh, we're gonna be a little short. We need another $4,200 to come in. We should pray every night at 9.30 p.m. and pray this money in. And I thought, sure, because I knew what had come in, which is a normal haul, so to speak, for December. And I prayed with no faith whatsoever. And you know what happened? It came in. And last month was like the largest amount of money that ever came in through Generations Checkbook account in a month. And it was, God, bloop, God came through. A few weeks ago, Ellie Grimes was told, you have a mass on your uh, thyroid, and it has all the markings of cancer, and we, wanna, we need to act quickly. We need to go in here. We need to, you know, red alert, red alert. And she said to me, I'm, I'm going to not freak out because I've had so many health setbacks. Like, this is just a whammy out of nowhere. And so, Max, I'm just not even going to think about it, but I've got thyroid cancer, and I'll worry about it later. And so she had a biopsy this week. And you know what? We prayed and prayed and prayed. And you know what they told her? Oh, it's benign. We made a mistake. Sorry. God does that. Isn't that amazing? God does things like that. You pray and pray and hope. And then, right, sometimes you pray and God does what he does and it's not what you asked for. An army of people prayed for little Michael Tippy, an army all over the world. And he only made it seven weeks. I have a friend all last year in 2017, and I prayed for this friend regularly uh, because they're honest, they have integrity, they work hard, and I was praying for their job situation, and I was praying for this friend of mine all year in 2017. And you know what happened at Christmas? We're gonna let you go. Wait a minute, God, hello? You know, are you paying attention? So. What do you do? What do you do when God doesn't do what you asked? See, as a pastor, I get asked to pray for people all the time. And I think it's in part because people think I'm really in with the man upstairs, right? And so at chamber events, they'll grab me by the arm. Max, Max, I really need you to pray for, and out it comes. And I do, and I pray with passion, and I, and I, and I pray hoping and believing that the outcome is gonna be really good and that God is at work. And sometimes the results are such that I go, wow, God. And sometimes the results are such that I go, wow, God, really? I, have you felt that way ever? Yeah. I wanna return to a story in the Gospel of John today because I think uh, we can learn some things from this encounter with Jesus. Uh, this story in John chapter 11 involves some very close friends of Jesus who asked him to do something. It was a very important need and they were very clear about what they needed. And they needed Jesus to come through. He did, but he was late and it wasn't what they had asked. And so, Turn in your Bibles with me, if you brought a papal Bible, to John chapter 11. 
John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is a narrative hinge in the gospel of John. John chapter 11 is, is basically some little guy in a Pixar thing going, hey, 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 this Jesus, he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, hey, hey. And you're supposed to go, oh, ding, 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 connect the dots. After John 11, there are no more miracles recorded in John's gospel. Jesus goes to the cross. So in, in John chapter 11, and, and you can follow along with me on the, on the big screen, okay? A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you gonna go there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day, and during the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world, but at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. And he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll, he'll get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. And he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there for now you'll really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. There's a lot going on in this passage and we're not gonna cover everything that's going on. But the first thing I want you to understand is that Bethany is really, really close to Jerusalem. It's about a mile away. And so it, it was used as a base by Jesus any time that he was in and around Jerusalem. And he would stay with his friends, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. It's why a lot of things and stories that happen in the Gospels take place in and around Bethany. It was a home base for him. And in, in, in 11 chapter two, John tells us, this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume. John, that this Mary was a rock star in the early church. Like she would come into a congregation and sit down and everybody would be like, that's Mary, that's the Mary, no way. Are you gonna talk to her? No, shh, okay? And people, it was a big deal. And so John is saying, yeah, yeah, that Mary, this story here, it's her, this was her, okay? And he's wanting you to connect the dots. Lazarus is very sick and Mary and Martha send a messenger so they know where to find Jesus. He's a day's travel away and they're such good friends that they know exactly where to send the messenger. Is that because of a network of, that was going on or because of the closeness of their relationship? Let me ask a question. Did Jesus come right away? Did Jesus come right away? No. no. What did they ask him to do? come right away, and he delayed. Does Jesus love Lazarus? Yes. Hmm. Does he love Mary and Martha? Hmm. See, Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. 
We know this from the later, later part of the story, of, from this story in the Gospel of John, which means that the messenger got sent out and then later that morning, Lazarus died. And because of the way death worked back then, there's no embalming, there's no creation, cremation, so you die, you're buried that day. They didn't waste time. And so he's been in the tomb four days. What are Mary and Martha asking of Jesus to heal him? Unfortunately, Lazarus dies. So that's where we pick things up in verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he'll rise when everyone else does on the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you're the Messiah, uh, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to, then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went with him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled with, within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? There are two kinds of people in a crisis. They're the people that do something. They make a meal. They, they run errands. They clean and disinfect and clean and disinfect. Right? They're the doers. That's the Marthas of the world. And then there are some people in a crisis, they're like, don't you understand that Lazarus has died? And they're incapacitated. And they just got to sit, or they got to journal, or they got to contemplate. And you just leave them alone for crying out loud. And the Marthas are mad at the Marys. And the Marys can't understand, how can you go and clean as if nothing happened? And there it is. You just need to know that you have a tendency to be a Martha or a Mary. And there's a good chance that in your family there's a mix and the people you're living with are not like you. Just, just know that and know that that's gone on for a long, long time. I, I want to call out some things about Martha and Mary. So in verse 20 and 21, Martha says, Mary, uh, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha is saying something to Jesus. She's giving him, reading him the riot act. She's basically saying, we sent a messenger. We hoped and we prayed and he died. And you know what? He died because of you. It's your fault. 
That's a very powerful thing that's taking place here. Now, some of you grew up in faith traditions or in families where you were told, now don't you ever be mad at God. You can't be mad at God, okay? God's big and awesome and he loves everybody and he's amazing, so don't be mad at God. It's not his fault. And so, you know what? You feel what you feel. And I wanna say to you today that if anything we can see in this encounter with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus, it's that God's a big God, he can take it. So if you're mad at him, tell him, just be honest. I mean, he's God, it's not like he's gonna go, whoa, you're mad, big surprise. <laughs> You know what he's gonna say? Glad you can verbalize it. Now maybe we can go somewhere, right? So I just wanna suggest to you to be honest and direct, okay? Now, for those of you that are older, you'll understand the power of these two words, if only. Any of us who are older in the room, man, if only dad hadn't gotten on that flight. If only I hadn't gotten pregnant. If only I had finished that stupid degree. And it can dog you in some powerful ways. If only is, is a very powerful place emotionally, okay? And Martha is there, and she's pointing the finger at Jesus, and it's his fault. Well, Mary, right? Mary does the same thing. Her response is different. She's crying, and, 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 but she says, verse 32, Again, the same thing. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's your fault. Our whole world is turned upside down and you didn't come through. I mean, can you feel the emotion of this? And the crowd responds in a similar way. They say, see how much he loved him because Jesus is so broken up. But then, well, he helped the blind man, chapter nine, couldn't he have helped Lazarus? I mean, all he needed to do is say the word. And so I think, I think this is why the text tells us that Jesus was angry and wept. Jesus has gotten the riot act from two of his very close friends. His close friend Lazarus has died and everyone in the crowd is wondering, did you really, I mean, you say you're friends of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I mean, is that really true? I mean, if you were really a friend, you would have been here. You would have come through, and you didn't. So I really don't think you really do love Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And it, and it gets to him, and he's angry and weeping. So I want you to see in this too, right? We say that Jesus is God, and when Jesus does something, God's doing something. And when Jesus says something, God's saying something. And when Jesus reacts a particular way, God's reacting a particular way. So Lazarus dies. Jesus is moved. When you face something in your life, God is moved. When you're facing that big thing, it's not as though God is like, eh, God is moved. Of course, Martha and Mary and the crowd are wrong. They're wrong about something. They're wrong. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha and Mary. It was wrong to measure Jesus' love by the fact that he delayed coming to Bethany. 
Well, that's where we pick it up, verses 38 and following. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell, it's gonna be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you'd see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they'll believe you sent me. And Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in the grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus had faced death before. There was the widow's son in, in Nain. There was Jairus' daughter. But this, this was a close friend. This was, this was someone Jesus stayed with regularly. When you have a really good friend and they're smacked in a big accident in 27, what is the first thing that happens to you? You have this visceral reaction in your body, right? <gasps> because it's someone really, really close to you. I love what Augustine says about this passage. Augustine says that the reason Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, is because if Jesus had just said, come out, every dead person in that tomb would have been like, woo, <laughs> walking out. And so Jesus needed to be very specific. Lazarus only, come out. <laughs> I love that. God is so powerful, right? There's so there's a couple of things here. First of all, God isn't sitting on his hands. God isn't sitting on his hands with what's going on in your life. And the second thing is, nothing is too big for him. Nothing. A busted relationship, a black hole of money, if you're looking for work, if you've got a health issue, if you're feeling alone, there's nothing that is too big for God. Remember, Lazarus was in the tomb four days. For those of you that know the princess bride, that's all dead, right? All dead. The Jews in the first and second century had a kind of belief that after the soul would linger around for three days and on the third day, off it went. And so this has been four days. So in anyone there, even all-powerful God, there's this component of you're too late. The soul's gone. It's done. The fat lady sung. It's over. Nope. It's not over. John Stott says that there are three responses to Jesus in the gospel. The first response that people have is they're terrified. This is the crowd at uh, Gerasenes where the, the demons go into the pigs and the pigs jump off the cliff and everybody in the town says, hey, could you like go away? You're scary. Just like if do the thing, but not here. Unsettling. Thank you. The second response is to hate him and want to kill him. So that's the second response that Jesus gets in the Gospels. And by the way, because of this miraculous deed, do you know what it does for Jesus? It cements his death warrant. 
People, word gets out all over Jerusalem. Did you hear about Lazarus from Bethany? What? He was dead four days. I'm telling you, the rabbi from Nazareth came in, boom, come out, he's alive. No, yes, I'm telling you. My cousin lives there. He saw her, like she saw him with her own eyes. He's alive. And so it's going all throughout Jerusalem. And this is what the text tells us. Uh, Verse 53, so from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot to kill Jesus. Terrified, they hated him and wanted to kill him. The third response that John Stott says is people worshiped him and gave him everything. And those are the three responses. No one ever had a response of Jesus of, eh, (laughs) meh. It's, I mean, it's okay. I mean, he's kind of a nice teacher and all. Terrified, hated him and wanted to kill him or worshiped him and gave him everything. So there's so much more in this passage, but today I want to remind you that there's nothing that is beyond God. My, my dad would pray for my mother all the time. And when my dad and my mom got married, my mom was mad at God mad at organized religion, didn't want to have anything to do with either. And, and uh, because she married a Baptist, every Baptist minister that my dad had felt it, you know, they would get a star on their epilap if they could win over Sherry Vanderpool. So every last one of them would come to our home and sit in the living room and lay out hell and give the gospel something. And mom would be like, nope, <laughs> no thanks. And My dad would, and so I remember when I was 20 years old, 21 years old, right before I got married, and we were talking about this, and and I remember thinking to myself, you're nuts to pray for my mom in this way. Like, this is never going to happen. And you know the weird thing is? I'm in small group with my mom now, this year. Like, and, you know, faith is part of her life. And so... Nothing is beyond God. And yet, do any of you know Lazarus of Bethany personally? Do any of you know him? Is he like one of your Facebook friends? No. He died a second time, right? He's dead. Sometimes, some of the things that you pray for and hope for in life stay dead ends. Sometimes they do. But the real measuring stick of God's love is something different. It, it is a mistake to conclude that in those dead ends that God doesn't care or that God's not involved. So I want to ask a couple of questions. And the first question is this. In light of what we see with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, how are you measuring God's love for you? How are you measuring God's love for you? The real measuring stick, by the way, is Jesus Christ. His life, death, and resurrection is God shouting, I care, I love you. But we often do the thing, right, where stuff doesn't turn out the way we want or expect. We conclude, oh, God doesn't care about me. How do you measure God's love for you? And then secondly, do you believe that God can do anything. I'll admit, this is a growth area for me. 
Again, I prayed in December for that $4,200. I lacked, I had Zippo faith for it, <laughs> okay? God can do anything. So quit deciding what's possible and what's not. So in light of this, I wanna make some suggestions. Keep praying, keep believing, be persistent. You have something that you want, that you're hoping for, keep praying. Keep believing, be persistent, do that. But secondly, don't measure God's love for you by the outcome, the result, or by the level of health or wealth or comfort or answered prayer that you have. The reason I say that is because I am convinced, Turkey as he was, that God loved the Apostle Paul. God loved Saul of Tarsus. And, and, just sometime, open your Bible and read Paul's summary of his life in 2 Corinthians 11. And then all throughout that, just keep saying out loud, God loved this guy. Shipwrecked this many times, beaten, da-da-da. God loved this guy. God loved Paul. Loved him, like big love. Okay? Third thing, ordinary people can have friendship with the Son of God. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, they were not big celebrities. They were not the Oprahs of their day. They weren't people that, you know, they weren't the kind of people that people are like, man, you could become somebody. They were nobodies from Bethany, and yet they were Jesus' close friends. Ordinary people can have friendship with the Son of God. That's good news for you and me. That's really good news for you and me. And last but not least, Jesus reminds us he is the resurrection and the life. Lazarus' resurrection is a preview. Jesus' resurrection is a preview. Jesus Christ is coming back, and when he does, he will make all things new. What do you do when God doesn't do what you ask? Today, I want to remind you, keep praying, keep asking, be persistent, but realize that the results are not a measuring stick of God's love for you. And the results are not a measuring stick of your level of faithfulness.